This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So, the only thing left to say is, you win? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get rewards points delivered too, so the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via our participating restaurants, 18 plus reward registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and time supply, see mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. We understand that the journey as a supporter isn't always smooth sailing, but rest assured you're not alone. There's a vast network of fellow fans who share your passion and may be experiencing similar challenges. Honesty is key in any relationship. If your friend asks you how you are feeling, tell them, honestly. If you're going through a difficult time, let them know. Opening up about how you are feeling can really make a difference. After all, they are your mates for a reason. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Well, good evening. Welcome to the latest edition of the uh, Forever Bristol City podcast. The final score in West London this evening. I'm going to call it the Loftus Road Stadium because we all know it was that. It was QPR 1, Bristol City 2. 27 points after 15 games. Really is a third of the way through the season now, give or take a game. Equal second with Bournemouth, who surprisingly lost 3-2 at home to Preston. Uh, guys, as we do, your thoughts on uh, the 90 minutes. I'll start with you, Ian. I mean, it didn't look so great in the first half, but inspired substitution, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. I mean, you could argue it could have been more. Um, I would have said, if, if, it, if you looked at it, opportunities in gold, if we'd have lost that game, I don't know, six, Six two six three. Um, you could have had. Uh, we wouldn't have, have had many excuses. I thought we were dreadful in the first half defensively. Our shape was wrong. Mm. Uh, I really yeah. don't like this four four three three with Naki Wells wide on the left. It wastes him. Um, we QPR can't defend, and they're very good attacking. So they're probably not a side you should sit back against. And that's exactly what we did. And and, and this. Surrendering a possession and surrendering the midfield is is only any good when you win, um, and it's one of those. It may work better away than at home, but for the third game on the trot, we've had possession of about thirty five percent, and I don't. I personally don't think we can go on playing like that, and and that's why we can't beat the better sides, and that's why we haven't beat them in previous seasons, and we're not beating them this season. Yeah. Okay, Mark, let's come to you for your uh, initial view of uh, the game before we dissect the action. Yeah, I think um, I agree with Ian. I mean, it was we were bad in transition, uh, losing the ball too easily, both on the edge of our own box and when we tried to take the ball forward. And I think it was as much as... I, I thought when, when QPR were in possession, when we were compact in the second half, we looked a lot better, but we gave them so much space down... Their, down their right flank and gave, uh, I mean, Chris Brunt, the first the first 35 minutes completely passed him by. So there was no cover for De Silva. Uh, Kake 
and uh, say Samuel just had free reign to pass the ball. And as soon as I say Samuel got five yard start, he was right on top of De Silva and he could have created three or four goals. I mean, Dykes missed a shot over the bar. I think Bentley saved a couple down near his near post. He made one good save. And it was only really when Semenya went over to the left near the end of the first half and it tightened up and we ground out that chance for the equaliser that um, we started to build slowly back into the game. And then the halftime substitution really did make a difference because we looked a lot more compact. I think we ended up going a bit 4-4-2. But yeah. in the second half, it was it really the performance of the defence and O'Dowda was really outstanding. Yeah, from I that. know. I'm, I'm an O'Dowda critic, but he had a good game today. Look, there you go. I've yeah. said it. Uh, Dave, let's come uh, to you. I mean, the lineup. Five changes uh, out went Pato Hunt, Moore, Dijou, and uh, Tommy Rowe. Was that a surprise the way that was rotated coming out in that 4 3 3 with those changes? Not at all from my, my perspective. I think um, yesterday I posted up my side and it was, I think, the same 11 apart from I had Rowe instead of the silver left back. I had Marriott coming in, I had Callas coming back in. That was a hopeful one that I thought he was fit. And I, oh, sorry, the other, the other one I had, I had um, Patterson instead of uh, instead of Brunt. But yeah, I had, I had four or five changes in, in expected from my team. I thought we had to rotate. I thought we had to give Hunt a rest. And I, it was obviously it was clear to me that we'd bring Martin and Wells back. So that was kind of three definite cha- changes that I thought we'd bring in. And then there was just a couple more as well. So yeah, not unexpected at all. Not unexpected. Let's uh, look through the action. And uh, early on, it was uh, Nadge and Martin combining well for. Uh, the latter, sorry, the former Nash to uh, knock the ball uh, wide. But uh, Bentley had to save uh, early on from uh, Samuel. I mean, Ian Samuel gave, uh, I say Samuel, to give him his full name, he gave Jay De Silva uh, a torrid time, didn't he? And then on 11 minutes, they got that goal. So your thoughts on, I say Samuel in the opening 45. And we got done by a quick corner routine, didn't we, on 11? Yeah, I think Asay Samuel is is a, a decent player. He's a long way from the finished article, which is probably why somebody hasn't uh, moved in and taken him because uh, he'll definitely be gone at Christmas because he's at a contract um, uh, in in June along with a number of hours. So I think he needs he needs work. I mean, if you saw the way he fluffed that chance at the end of the game, which he should have scored after. Yeah. I mean, in fairness, he made it for himself by dancing around players, but. Then he scuffed it out of play with his left foot when he should have smacked it with his right. But I blame the manager as much as everybody for the way we sat tactically. You don't stop a player like that by putting Naki Wells at five foot six and Jay De Silva at five foot six in uh, up against him because he's quicker and he's stronger than both of them. So. I, I blame if you if you're going to give the manager for credit for that substitution at half time, then you have to criticise him for the way we set up in the first half, and that was a problem. With that lad, you have to put two players on him in double bank, yeah. um, and if you stop him, you stop a lot of the threat. And as soon as we we did that a lot better, we didn't do it brilliantly in the second half because we didn't we we kept giving the ball away um, yeah. and playing long to Chris Martin. Um, too much, but yeah. it, that that's the way you play against a bloke like that. You don't let him get one on one with a, a diminutive left back. 
Yeah, you got a couple of chaps on the text, Steve and uh, and our Dave saying uh, not sure height has got anything to do with it. But uh, Ian, the goal, you know, it was a quick corner routine. And this Dicky is he a centre half or is he? He scored a few yeah. goals, but he, he came up and um, it was it wasn't a bad goal for them, was it? Really, for them? Well, he was complete. He was completely unmarked, six yeah. yards out. So if, if you're going to yeah, let a with, with, with the ball, with it crossed it, didn't he? He got a five-yard yeah. run. He got a five-yard run on on Callas and out jumped, wasn't it? On the on the penalty spot, just powered past Bentley. He had no chance. Is that the price mm. you pay though for not having uh, Famara back there in the early stages? I know Chris Martin saved, did a few challenges in other points of the game because I made a point of uh, looking at that. But uh, Mark, after we got a goal down, um, Brunt was getting some pelters for not giving the ball away, and then we had Martin blocking a shot, Viner off the line, chair wide. We were up against it in uh, the middle part of that first half, weren't we, after uh, Rangers had gone in front? Yeah, say Samuel, had, uh, I've got the say Samuel burst down the side continually. Uh, Bentley, Bentley concedes corners. Carroll had a shot blocked over by Martin. And Willock, Willock had a shot that was saved on the line by uh, Zach Viner on 26. Uh, and, you know, a... So- Oh, I keep writing. I say Samuel, but again, beats beats to silver. <laughs> it was yeah. just con- it was just yeah. constant. And and like Ian said, we just didn't have any possession of the ball. They could have been they could have been out of sight if they'd have got that that final ball. They were dragging the ball wide. I think Dykes had one from the six yard box where it was a last gaff shot. I got another one. The air thirty eight. Carroll shot blocks. Uh, from Callas. Callas was putting his body on the line tonight after two weeks he out. Did. I thought he, he, he was no, great. Was but we, we did we did we did bring it on ourselves because we didn't offer anything in midfield to, to hold the ball up. And it was just wave after wave of attack until yeah. we carved out that chance. I mean, well, let's go to Dave to uh, talk about the goal. I mean... Uh, what a great ball it was by Viner. He's grown in stature every game, isn't he? But Dave, take us through that goal on 39 minutes because it was it was against the run of play, really, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So I guess it started by Viner being positive and, and driving into the into the centre of the pitch, and then you know I think we've all been a bit guilty that sometimes he's a little bit too quick to hit that angled ball, certainly down the channel when he when he gets caught on the right hand side. But he was a bit more central there. And Martin had peeled off a couple of times and not been found. And this time it was a it was a great ball to him. I thought he delayed a little bit. I thought he could have played Callum a little bit earlier, but it was a lovely um, disguised reverse ball in the end. And, and, and Callum O'Dowda making that kind of lung busting run to get past him, tried to pull it back, got a bit of a deflection, and you know I guess that's what Naki Wells gives you. Is the that's what he does. It was just coach. like when he got just well, just like but you know same zone in the goal to what he got yeah. at. The majesty at the weekend. Go, going back to what Ian was just saying about, um, you know, I'm not going to go over the bit about height, but a couple of minutes before that goal was when we actually, I think it was 35 minutes was when we swapped Wells and Semenyo over. So we ended up changing around. And, and I guess, you know, that was why Wells was on the far post there because he was coming in from the right wing, whereas perhaps previously yes, he was on the left wing. So it was a, it was a, a good tactical change from Mr Holden. Yeah, but Dave, staying uh, with you, uh, we almost went behind on the stroke of half-time where that Dykes was uh, unmarked again in the box and he drove the ball over the top, didn't he? Yeah, it was kind of straight after, wasn't it? And you think, if anything, let's you know get the ball back. 
don't let them play. We allowed a cross to come in and he, he slashed it over. It was a difficult chance. He was kind of on the off balance and, and spinning. But um, yeah, you, you thought if we'd have gone down 2-1 there, it would have been, I guess, shades of Saturday where we got back in the game and then gave a goal away straight away. So yeah, we got in the halftime in the end and, and regrouped. And I think that was where, you know, we'll probably talk about it and other guys will have, have their say. But I think Dean Old earned his money big time at halftime. Yeah, Ian, the substitution, it was made at half-time. It's unusual. I mean, Jay was being given the runaround and Tommy Rowe, you wouldn't say he's quick, but he's a more experienced pro. Were you surprised at how early the change was uh, was was made? And it had to be made, didn't it? Because that's where the threat was coming from. Yeah, not really. I mean, let's be honest, he wasn't having a very good game. But, I mean, if Dean Olden would have made three changes at half-time, you wouldn't have said that that was unjustified either. Uh, because mm. there weren't many players came in that first half with a lot of credit. Um, so I think he's going to have to have a, have a look at it for the Birmingham game. And, and um, like I said, I'd rather, I'd rather we played 4-4-2 than this, this lopsided 4-3-3. I really hate it. But, you know, I, I, I can't knock the result. Um, and and if, we could, if we can still be within a point of the leader's um, when Christmas comes, you'll be seeing me doing backflips down Winterstoke Road. Well, <laughs> that's a sight uh, to look forward to. Mark, uh, I'll let you talk uh, the goal that put us up. It was uh, on the 50th minute and it was a well-worked goal. And as I say, I'm a critic of Callum O'Dowder, but he had a good game tonight. And if he played like that every week, because he was putting in the bursts of speed and it was a quick break with him instrumental in it. Talk us through that goal that put us uh, 2-1 up. Indeed, it proved to be the winning goal. Well, just quickly before that, if you don't mind me mentioning, on 47 minutes, I got... Um, I mean, Lyndon Dykes had a ball in a six-yard box and Mary Appa managed to intercept it. And that was when O'Dowd had lost a ball in midfield. But three minutes later, I think it was uh, it was Ball, the uh, defender, number 12, on the right-hand side. Uh, O'Dowd had robbed him. Uh, and then he pushed the ball around the side of him and went after it and just charged down the left flank played a great ball into the box. He played it back across the box uh, and, and Wells with his back to goal just touched it into the path of Nadge on the right-hand side of the box and he adjusted his feet, right foot to left and through defenders and the keeper, he drilled it into the left-hand corner. Yeah. It was a very accomplished finish considering um, his, four, his poor touch after six minutes. This was a great goal. It really was a great finish. No, it was a good one. And again, we sort of, uh, we have a situation, uh, well, after, wasn't a great deal happening, but I got 70th minute, Wells set up Naj, who drove over the top, then 73 minutes, Callas, Martin, Semenyo, he curled it, should have gone in or could have gone in, but it was uh, just wide. And then just jumping forward a bit, 85 minutes, Wells free kick uh, straight onto the post. What a cracker if that had gone in. But uh, Dave, if I can come back uh, to you, uh, QPR threw everything at City and we got men behind the ball. It was a rear guard action. And as you say, we had two bits of luck. There was Viner and Mariapa getting in a bit of a tangle, uh, probably around about 75th minute. Ball broke and Bonnet was wide. And then Samuel had that shot that he put wide. I mean, it was a good team performance, Dave, wasn't it? Where everybody got behind the ball and we made substitutions. I think Backinson came on as well. But... Uh, you know, we 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 showed our metal in those closing stages, didn't we? Yeah, we did. I, I, you know, like I write some notes down as I'm watching the game. 
And my note after 47 minutes after Mark had made that comment about O'Dowd had given the ball away was that it looks like we've gone 4-2-1-3 and it looks like Callum O'Dowd is playing in the attacking midfield role without without the ball. But the key thing for me, because as shocking as Brunt was in the first half, just that movement with him and Naj in the second half, one of them playing right side and one of them playing left side, just gave kind of Brunt a little bit more kind of comfort. And I think it actually protected the balls going into dykes and they, they had to actually play from wide. And I thought that was the, the change that um, Holden made that made the difference. And it also meant that it was O'Dowder with his energy that was uh, pressing forward, whereas in the first half, they just passed the ball around us. We, you know, we, we criticised De Silva for getting caught one-on-one, but they passed the ball around us. They found angles and we didn't cope with them. And most of that was down to, to Brunt, in my opinion, mm-hmm. because... He just doesn't get around the pitch. He doesn't mark anyone. And, and no. therefore, Nagy and, and uh, O'Dowder ended up doing lots of unnecessary running. And, and yeah. in some ways, I'd be a bit critical of them of not holding their shape alongside Brunt. Mm. And so I don't think we particularly tried to sit behind the ball. I just think we were bloody awful. And second yeah. half, we got it sorted and we made them play wide. And when the ball's wide, we're less at danger. If they want to throw balls in the box... Callas and Viner aren't too aren't too bad in that space, and Mariapa was good at defending his back post as well. So I thought we changed it around. We still conceded lots of shots, but they were shots, kind of hasty shots. Really, they didn't create yeah. too many great chances. Well, Bentley didn't really have a save to make worthy of the name, did he? I think there was I, one I, time I, in the yeah. first half where he stood up. Yeah. He only had four shots on target all game. I know we only had three, but we had the post as well, didn't we? But yeah, they had they had um, eleven shots, uh, fourteen shots in the first half. Uh, 11, 11 uh, on, and three on target, and it was only until until after the 80th minute the shots started piling up. Yeah, it was. I think hard. it was like 13 and four until about the 82nd minute when we dropped right behind the ball, mm. but we were blocking. There was lots of blocks, and what was great about City, and they did this against Forest, they did this against Stoke. No rash challenges in the area. They stood up. No, yeah. nobody diving in. I think the only rash challenge that we've made this season is probably that one by Dowd on the edge of the area against Barnsley. But that's it's very good defensive discipline. I don't want to see. I wouldn't like to see it every week because we got hold on to the ball better. But we are quite disciplined in defence, and and that that's good. Yeah, um, Ian Jimbo's just uh, put on the on the text. Good to see Backinson back. Would prefer him over Brunt next game out. Would you think that's a logical thing uh, to do? And do we see the starting of O'Dowda maybe rotating with Patterson? Because we've said, I think, quite a few times that you have one or other, not both. But do you think that's a likely change uh, for Saturday before we formally look forward to that game in uh, in a short while? Yeah. In a word, I think I think Backinson have come in for Brunt because it's going to be. You know, you wonder about this um, dipping Brunt in and out, or whether it'd be better if you just left him in. But mm. I think that the point that we're making is you have to have two central midfield players there and one of Patterson or O'Dowda. If you play that particular formation, um, because it, it less, it, it, I'd like to see uh, Backinson with Nash. In, in midfield, yeah, then you yeah. could get away with playing out O'Dowd on the left of a three. Now, if you want to play wing backs, yeah, that's fair enough. I think you, we can only play four at the back if Callas is available in, until Baker and um, Molson are back, and, and we don't exactly know when that's going to be. 
So, yeah, but I, I think, you know, we, we're, as a side goes, we're not a big physical, physical team. No. Um, we're not strong. We're not good in the tackle. I don't think we're not, um, you know, you look at the midfield and there's not too many people in there who are going to tackle you. Uh, on, on one thing I disagree, when we move Wells into one of the wider positions, whilst I think he can be reasonably dangerous going forward, and he is the most likely player in the team probably to score a goal, I think when he comes back towards our goal, he's a bit like Casey Palmer. I'm just waiting for him to give a free kick away. And he mm. gave a few away that they never took advantage of tonight. Interestingly, um, Dave's made a point. Dave's made a point on there that we've only conceded the one penalty and a couple of free kicks on the edge of the box all season. Yeah. And as you said a moment ago, you know, we're standing up, we're not going in with the rash uh, tackles. Would you like to come in on that, Dave? You've just put that as a, as a text comment. Yeah. I, I, I thought it was, all, um, I can't remember which game it was. I did it because they, they had a good free kick taker. And I thought the last thing we want to do is give away any free kicks around a box. Um, Oh, it's the I think it was the game against Norwich when when Vrancic, I thought was going to play, but he didn't play in the end. Um, he was really good at set pieces, and so I did a, a little look at all of the free kicks that we've given away this season in our half, and there were only two in the kind of like within the twenty-five yard area around our box. So we're pretty good at not giving good goal scoring free kicks away. Yeah, so good angles. Mark, let's come to you with the marks. We'll do your marks first. So hopefully you've got them uh, there. So you lead off, Mark, if you start us uh, and uh, only name, only mark one of the substitutes, which obviously is, is Roe. The rest of them probably not long on long enough to make a difference. But just give us a quick run through your uh, marks, just the numbers, and, uh, and then obviously we'll chip in when we're giving our uh, responses to that. So, Mark, you first. All right, eyes down for a full house. Uh, Bentley, seven. Uh, Mariapa, seven. Uh, Viner, seven. Callas, eight. De Silva, four. Uh, O'Dowda, eight. Naj, seven. Uh, Brunt, six. Semenyo, seven. Martin, seven. Wells, seven. Yeah. Ian, your thoughts on that? Or your uh, Dan Bent. Yeah, Bentley seven, Mariapa six, uh, Jada Silva five, um, Viner and Callas. <clears throat> I think over the ninety minutes seven. I mean, it's almost a game where you'd have to mark the first half and then mark the second half. But I'll say True. over the over the ninety minutes, I, I'd give them a seven, no more. Uh, in midfield, Naj an eight, O'Dowda an eight, uh, Brunt six. Um, and then uh, Naki Wells, six, Antoine Semenyo, six, Dave Martin, six, or even Tommy, Chris Tommy. Martin. Tommy. <laughs> it's, Dave Chris, it's Dave Martin, again. Again. <laughs> Chris, Mar well. Chris Martin, two years old now. Yeah, Chris, Chris Martin, um, I yeah, I give a six, Tommy yeah. Rowe, give a seven. Yeah. Uh, he definitely was an effective substitute. Uh, overall, if I'd have marked it at half time, the marks would have been a, a, a lot lower for everybody, with lower. a possible exception of, of, yeah. of Naj and Cod. Yeah, Dave, your uh, your marks on there? Um, yeah, Bentley seven, Mariapa seven, Viner six, Callas seven, De Silva five, Naj six, Brunt four, 
O'Dowd at eight, Wells seven, Martin seven, Semenyo five, and Tommy Rowe seven off off the bench. Yeah, as well. that's I interesting. Think... I mean, my mine. You're getting a bit. You're getting a bit harsh with some of those marks. Here. You're not a great fan of them now, are you? I mean, my mark. My mark. I think, they, I think the midfield were were not great first half. Brunt was mm-hmm. awful. You know, I think Brunt would have been a one or a two on a first half performance. So to get he, four, he was yeah, the first three touches were all over the shot. I mean, yeah. my marks pretty much. Maybe Dallas was a seven, win. but not going to. You know, worry too much yeah. about you know what ben, mark you're Benley in. seven. I mean, he just did his job really. I gave Mariapa a six. I thought it was a little bit rusty in the first. Mm-hmm. Viner and Cala seven. De Silva, I gave him a four. His replacement row in the second half, I gave him an eight. I think you know there was no out and out man of the match there in the middle. Maybe I've been generous with giving Brunt a six. I've given Naj an eight and O'Dowd a seven, which is a high mark for me for Callum uh, up front. Semenyo six, Martin seven. Well, seven. I mean, you know, we got another three points and our away form continues. Um, Mark, uh, Rennie Gilmartin, what an analysis he is. It is so interesting listening, not so much to commentary, but it's just he's explaining the tactics. It's like listening to uh, the referee when you go to rugby, you know, when you un- actually understand what's going on. Do you, do you, I mean, he's a good, if he's as good a goalkeeping coach as he is an analyst, we got a good goalkeeping coach. Mark, do you think... Uh, we were impressed by him, and not. Yeah, I mean, going back to what you said about about Naki Wells, oh, he's really got to rein it in. He said a little bit, and he was talking about Macaulay Bond, and he's genial Irish lil. I liken him on the forum to a sort of a Val Dunican type figure doing fireside commentary, but it's really <laughs> lovely to listen to. He really knows his stuff. He knows the players, and and it's a very, it really lends itself to very good. Uh, you know, a match summariser, co-commentator. It makes it a very good viewing experience. You know about the players. You know, you know, it's very professional. Um, and he, yeah, he certainly knows his stuff. He, and he, he's, he's talking about the change in tactics. I mean, for a goalkeeping coach, I think the guy's he's going to go and go into a co- coaching role or in some technical role. Um, you know, I think his playing career is finished, but he he just sat, he certainly walks the walk, doesn't he, with his uh, with his uh, commentary? I think he's excellent. Yeah, no, absolutely. Okay, so yeah, we're done on the, tonight's game. A great three points, hard earned, and it was a good performance in the second oh. half. First half, it was yeah. was not great, but it was the classic game of two halves. Well, up next, we've got an extra day off because we played on a Tuesday. Is uh, Birmingham uh, Birmingham City, and I think did they draw at home to Barnsley tonight, Dave? No, they lost. No, they lost. They lost to uh, any any yeah. thoughts, early thoughts on Birmingham, uh, Dave. I mean, you, I guess you can't do a full analysis with rotation happening because the games are coming thick and fast. Teams are having to adapt. But any thoughts, Dave, on uh, Birmingham? What we might expect? Um, probably a fairly boring game, I think, is the analysis I've done so far. I think uh, before tonight, they'd had seven draws in their 14 games, four nil-nil draws in that. And I think there were three one-nil games either way as well. So, there, you know, three goals in a game today is uh, um, for them is pretty pretty rare. Um, I guess probably not massively unexpected with Karanka from perhaps what we saw oh, God, yeah. At, yeah. At, Mid- at Middlesbrough. But they have got some quite talented players. They've obviously got Djukovic, the, the big target man up front, who probably don't get quite as many goals as he should do, but he's still a, a useful guy. He normally does something against us. Um, they've got a, a guy called Sanchez, who they picked up in the summer for free, who 
who's left footed but plays down the right hand side. And, and he looks a real talented guy. And he got Bella on the left, the other side, not mm-hmm. Bellingham, who of course left to he go went to big transfer. Yeah. That wasn't, but, yeah. Um, yeah um, Bella looks quite useful. They've got two good wide players, yet they've just, you know, in the last four or five games, switched to playing wing backs. And those two guys are playing in the middle. So they're playing almost two number eights, a bit like we are, or we were earlier on the season as well. Mm-hmm. So I suspect it'll be a tough game. I think it'll pre- probably be decisive who gets the first goal. They do play mm-hmm. a bit of football. They're not they're not completely direct. They're probably not a, a million miles different from us in the way they try to play. Obviously, we don't always get it right either. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, tough tough game, I think. Yeah. Ian, I mean, we, we just had that sequence of uh, three games where I think we said anything above four points was acceptable, you know, and we've, we've ended up uh, getting six. So we've put ourselves in a strong position. I think we're playing, was it Saturday? Is it Saturday, Tuesday next, two home games? Or Saturday, Saturday Wednesday. Wednesday. Saturday, Wednesday. Ian, yeah. you know, Birmingham at home is a game that you'd think we should win. We should. What would you, how would you like to see City lining up on, um, on Saturday against the Blues? Well, if, if they're playing three-five-two, we could we could easily match them up from where the squad is. Um, the the key thing for me is if we're going to play Martin in Wells or Jiju in Wells, they need to play in the middle, not out wide, um, and that means we can either play four-four-two or push um, push the wing backs on. Um, looking at at Birmingham in tonight, they had fifty-four percent possession. They only had five shots, only one on target, only one corner. So they don't look full of goals. I mean, they've got a minus three goal difference and 16 points after 15 games. So they are... 11 goals they scored you, this season. Yeah, they're, they're not you know, going to come down and play, play wingers and two up front and all the rest of it. Very likely to be a 4-5-1, I would guess. So, And what we need to do against them is score one or possibly two goals early. So if they want to keep playing that way, we just pass the ball around and, and pick up the three points. But but what you can't do against a side like that is give them a chance, let them get an early goal. Mm. Um, and, and so, you know, I, I don't think it makes a huge difference to us defensively or attacking-wise. I think Jack Hunt will be back in playing right back or right wing back. Um, I think we've got to we've got to play Backinson in Nash. We just haven't got haven't got a choice. But but let's play with you know two proper strikers and let's get some width and let's attack them because there's no way we can let them have sixty odd percent of the ball as we did with twenty fourth place Derby. Yeah. Who didn't win a game tonight either, did they? So they're not exactly turning uh, no. it around. If, if, if you look at it. If you look at it, Dave, I mean, just, just one thing, before we move on from tonight's game, I watched the game on Sky on the red button and I just listened to the worst commentator. <laughs> I, I've, probably, I've been probably watching football for, oh, I don't know, it's got to be 50 odd years. And the worst commentator I've ever heard, and I'll give you a couple of classics, he completely missed the substitution at halftime. <laughs> you know, and I mean, I'm not being funny, but it, even to somebody that, that uh, doesn't know the players intimately, uh, Tommy Rowe doesn't look like Jada Silva, does he? Let's be honest. Um, <laughs> and then when there's a substitute coming on, uh, I'm not making this up. 
Jiju's coming on towards the end, right? Yeah, and he yeah. said, um, Bristol City are making a substitute, and um, I've got I've got no idea who it is. <laughs> oh my look. Rene he did say he did say there was one situation towards the end of the game. He said, I'll get stick from the players for this, but he said Viner and uh, and um, Naki Wells looked like twins when they were back there helping up. Which, oh no, Mariapa. To be honest, Dave, I might I might join you because it was there's no replays on it at all. No. And it was just his commentary was just hideous. Yeah, and when he said that at the end, then on comes up. on comes well, well actually I, I really don't know who it is. He didn't say you come to Belgians like Stuart Hall used to, did he? That first red button game we had this season, and I, I watched it on that rather than pain, thinking oh, I'll be a bit tight and not, not give the club 10 quid. And I've been, I was quite critical of the Robins kind of TV broadcast at the back end of last season. And I, I did actually send Dave Barton some feedback about it. Mm. And in fairness, yeah. they, they, they've replied to me. And uh, But one of the things I said was, you need to get a professional alongside Toby. Toby's an Toby's yeah. fo- absolute fine commentator, but he, you need an expert alongside him. And I thought they missed a trick with that last season. And I think, well, you know, Rene Gilmartin's come in. They've had Brian Tinning. They've had Gary Probert. I think they had some someone else as well. And it, and it's just improved at no end. And I watched that early midweek game on the red button. Obviously, the quality of the picture isn't isn't great. Commentary is crap, and and you get no highlights as well. And I after that, I've, yeah, I've spent yeah. a tenner, tenner each time, even though you know you, I could watch it for free. But yeah, I'll tell you what, Dave. You see, because I have had people from certain other podcasts on there, sitting there doing the analysis, and I think with all the stuff that you do for the preparation, I think you would be a good contender to go on there one day. And I'm being serious, yeah, because you. I, can I was watch. asked once. Were you? <laughs> yeah. At the start of lockdown, I, I was Stanley's substitute because he couldn't do it, and uh, but because of shielding and everything with Joe, I, I couldn't, I couldn't yeah, make it. Yeah. But you know, my, my little previews I do for OTIB and then the ones that go in the post, that they, also, do? they also go to, to Toby as well for his kind of preparation as well. So, so oh, you're there. You you're there back here, so. yeah. I don't know what happened to Ian. He's sort of uh, fallen off. I heard something go buzz a moment ago. I mean, all I can say about Birmingham City, it was my very first match watching. Can you not hear me then? Hey? Oh, you're there. You yeah, are. Now. I yeah. think it's all over. Oh. It's not. But yeah. yeah. My first ever <laughs> match at Ashton Gate was March the 25th, 1967. It was my 11th birthday treat. My trip there had been inspired by the fact that two weeks previously, City had been in the news because I had that game against uh, Tottenham and we beat Birmingham City 3-1. And I was just trying to remember the complete lineup of the side. And they got 10 of them because it was Mike Gibson in goal and then across the back, and Ian, you'll remember some of these names. It was um, Tony Ford, Jack Connor, Gordon Lowe, Alec Briggs. And then I think in the middle, it would have been Quigley, Parr, and uh, I don't know, number seven would have been Chris Crow. They had Hugh McElmoyle and Lou Peters. But anyway, the main thing was we won... Three goals to one, and that was it. I was hooked. Here we are, fifty-three and a half years well, later. Well, I'll give you. Oh, before we leave the red button commentator, he also didn't know how long the referee had added on. <laughs> <laughs> he, 
he, he didn't know that. And uh, oh god! And here's here's a bit of here's a little nugget for you. Gordon Parr. Got uh, there's a magazine. Did you used to get Goal magazine when you were a kid? I did. I've still got the very first edition of it tucked away. Right. I don't know how much I get for that right. on eBay. Mate. About fifty p, I reckon. Well, this um, this this cop. They were had. They had different. Obviously, information for different players. So you got to Bobby Moore and Bobby Charlton, and you had World Cup winner, da da da, and about oh, I don't know half a page, and it listed every single player in the football league. But by the anyway, it gets in alphabetical order. Anyway, it gets down to Gordon Parr, right? And all they could find to put in there was a qualified electrician, <laughs> <laughs> and he's still doing it now, I believe. I think he's still doing it now. Mark, let's give you a shout on the next uh, topic. It's what I put in what this uh, particular podcast was going to be about. And I said, 2021 is a season like no other. Does this give Dean a free hit in terms of achieving improvement on 2019-20, which Ashton said was the requirement at the time of his his appointment? Now, here we are, a third of the season in, right? It looks like maybe he doesn't need a free hit. I mean, that's the fine margins between winning today and maybe uh, defeat. But Mark, is this a season? It is a season like no other. And if we finish about the same as last year, no improvement. Do you think Dean would have a free hit and it would be start again properly next August? And with all the players yeah. out, which I'm sure yeah, you know, I, I, yeah, I, 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 I'd, I'd agree. Um, I think the, the, the fact that I, I, Personally, I, I think it's going to be very difficult to get fans back this season. When you know, for, for areas to come out of a, of a of a tier three, there's got to be a drastic reduction in the R rate. So um, you know, if that's February, March, you're looking towards the end of this very end of the season. So I think that's difficult. But in in a way, I think it's helped the younger players because they haven't got the crowd on their backs. It's helped the referees. So I think it's helped players like Backington and Semenyo to bed themselves in the team whereas they may not have got that chance uh, before. So I think we have, got a, a, a good ch- we have got a good chance this season, as long as we can sort out uh, a, a formation that we're happy with. Mm. And I, I, I've listened to what Ian said, and if you look at the strengths of O'Dowda and the strengths of Semenya, they're really coming in from wide, are operating in wide positions. And you've got the likes of Martin and and and, uh, and Wells, who really are more comfortable up front. So it really lends itself to a four four two or four four one one. Maybe you know, maybe from some sort of serendipity, we'll we'll find a, a formation that suits us. But we've got players to come back in midfield. I think we have got choices up front, and we've got a, a good chance of getting in the top six. No, I uh, think we can, I think if, I if think we can you're avoid right. getting more crops. I mean, Dave, do you do you take that view that you know it's this is such an unusual season? And uh, I think Steve's just put a comment on the text: no crowds. That's helped Holden help the young players. But um, you know, we're we're heading in the right direction. But if we did our usual second half of the season falter, would he be judged if that happened? Or do you think, as I say, yeah. Dave, he's got that free hit this year? I, I don't think he's got a free hit at all. I think if we finish twelfth position. I think Steve Lansdowne would be very, very disappointed. And mm. I'm not saying, he, not saying he'll get the boot for that, although you could argue, well, he hasn't improved us, blah, 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 but there are mitigating circumstances. But I, I still think that Lansdowne is expecting a, a proper playoff challenge. And, you know, that could be we finish seventh or eighth within a point or two or something like that. I think, you know, that's 
that's understandable. But I, I genuinely think it's a, a playoff push is what we should be aiming for, and it's what they're aiming for. And we're in a good position to. We are. Yeah, we are in a good position. Uh, we are in a good position now. Ian, uh, your thoughts on that? You've mentioned in uh, previous podcasts about the uh, the whole welter of players uh, out of contract uh, in the summer mm-hmm. that can move on, and we are better placed financially than a lot of clubs because of our uh, benefactor who just trousered a hundred million quid for quote commitments uh, uh, <laughs> in the future. I don't know what that is, but uh, Ian. Uh, your thoughts on what we've just been talking about? First of all, no, he doesn't get a free hit because um, we we sacked Lee Johnson to improve things and take and to quote uh, our leader, uh, the supreme leader I'm talking about, to take us to the next level. Mm. <laughs> now, it, if we're if if we were going to give everybody, if we're going to say, well, you've got free hit and do it, no, no, never, 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 never. He's got to improve. Um, the position and I I think uh, the injuries have have hit us and and the trouble is that a lot of the injuries have hit us in exactly the same position it's centre back and if I had to pick a first choice side from a 100% fit squad of 29 players Mm. um, there there are still 7 players missing so I play a 3-5-2 and there are 7 players missing so yes, we're doing well. Uh, I just like, honestly, I just like to see us play a bit better and, uh, and utilize the talent that that we, we've we've got. Um, so you know, like for example, Saturday, I, I'd be honest, I'd play a, a diamond midfield, bring Pato back, and play Wells and Jiju up front, and use use give Chris Martin a, a rest, and use him from the bench along with Semenu. I think Semenu is probably if not the best, certainly one of the best impact substitutes that we've got down there. If you look at what he did at Huddersfield, where he completely changed the game. He did. Um, and, and I think, you know, you've, we, but we, we absolutely have to keep rotating to a point because, you know, we've only got 16 fit outfield players plus uh, Riley Taylor and Opie Edwards, who I hope we play in the cup game against Pompey. Um, mm. And I think, you know, we get get through, and, and because there's no guarantee that you know January the first is going to come, and magically uh, Walsh, Williams, and Baker are all going to turn up. Well, that poses another question, Dave. I mean, do you think if we're there, or well, we are, you know, unless we have a ma- rapid deterioration in form, and you could argue that he's almost made a rod for his own back because he's got us to the position that. Uh, LJ did at three or four seasons in a row. But do you think with the transfer window opening in January, do you think we will keep our hands in our pockets this time around? Because, you know, we don't know how these injured players are going to perform if they do come back. But do you think if we were, let's say we're sat there on 42 points after 23 games, so that's expecting us to get, what's that, 15 points from the next uh, eight, but under two points a game. Do you think we'd be tempted if those injuries looked longer term to, to go into the market or not, Dave? Uh, I guess a lot of it depends on, you know, is Mawson's genuinely a, a season ender? If so, you know, I, I guess Mariapa's only on a short-term deal, isn't he? So, assuming he plays anywhere like he's played tonight and gets a bit fitter and, and improves as well, you'd probably think 
that might be the player to replace him. We've got Baker coming back. You probably think we probably are probably all right in defence. He says, kind of fingers crossed, massively. Um, I think a lot might might depend on what happens with with Gigi in the in the January yeah. window. From a point yeah. of, if he signs a pre contract somewhere else, I'd be thinking I want to start getting someone in now who I'm betting in for next season. And if they make an impact this season, fantastic. Um, mm. So I don't think we'll be spending much. I don't think it'll be. Oh well, we're you know we're second or third in the league. We're going to really go for it now. I think money money's tight and. We've already used a fair bit of our our budget up with people like Cessignon and and, and Wilson and you know and Brunt's yeah. wages and, and things like that. So we we were quite prudent in the summer. We only you know we paid one and a half million for Joe Williams. Um, did we pay anything else? I can't remember. We certainly didn't pay much much in the summer. And no, we're in we're in credit. People, yeah, have a, yeah, but we've still got a, a bloody big set of costs to look at. You know, yeah, and, and we've got a massively reduced income. So. Yeah. I, I think we we just be we'll be sensible, but yeah. You know, we'll okay, look. Final topic for tonight. There was a quite a well-read or long thread on uh, OTIB about our erstwhile uh, head coach featuring in the uh, website called Training Ground Guru article evolution of a manager. And I said, is he enhancing his prospects of a new role with this self-promotion? And there's one bit on here where. You know, this is typical LJ speak. I've recently been talking to a guy who has amassed 9,000 hours of interrogation at military level in war zones. He was fascinating. And I'm trying to work out whether I can bring some of that into my man management. And uh, Prin has picked up a few points here. Um, he said, if you, uh, where are we now? If I'm, uh, here we go. I could go into the dressing room and suddenly pretend I was Alex Ferguson because the players would have seen through that strategy straight away. Players can read through bullshit very, very quickly. I've got a natural thirst for improvement, not trying to reinvent the wheel, but continually seeking ways to be a better leader. If a super talented player can enhance the team, you'll make those sacrifices. I've always remembered that. And as he says on that point, that's why we bought Katie Palmer and didn't surround him with runners, Luke Freeman saying, Tomlin the same. And he talks about managing Mavericks, things he didn't do. I mean, Mark, you know, Lee's at 25 to 1 the last time I looked for the Sunderland manager's job. You know, that's the sort of role maybe that they're not, they're League One, but it's a big club. You know, do you, did you read that article and do you think? Yeah, 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 I was, I I was completely underwhelmed. It set the the part where he said he learned, he, he learned his manage, sort of his management style uh, when his dad was at Cambridge under Don Beck as an assistant manager, and he used to hide in a skip in the changing room at half time and listen to the the half time team talk. I would, I think, I would have kept quiet about that, but yeah, I think he's got a chance of a, of a job in League One. I can't see him getting a, a job in the Championship because he's just not qualified. I mean, he wasn't qualified to get the role here. It was only because he knew. Uh, you know, new Nara Cashton and, and Steve Lansdowne was happy with him. And he's really talked mm. his way into role with his alg- algorithms and, and, and his presentation style. I know from a colleague it, it Barnsley, that's how he impressed the board up there. And he was yeah. very close to the push before he um, before he got our job. I think it was the only appointment of Paul Heckingbottom as his number two, mm. who took him to promotion after he left that really got him on a roll heading to the playoffs. But I think he'll come back, but he'll have to earn his core and he won't get his cushy at City and he's on a hiding to nothing. Yeah. Uh, it's somewhere like Sunderland, but why not 
They haven't, well, I don't know if they've got a lot of money. The club's in an impossible takeover, isn't it? I, I've heard. That's true. They've got no chief exec, no chairman, no manager. And I think they mm. lost at home tonight as well to Burton, I think it was, last time. Oh, look, Ian, your your thoughts on this latest uh, this latest uh, stuff from him in, I'll I, call it, trade press. Yeah, I, I don't... I, I don't think he should have got a city job. There was no compelling football or business logic behind it. I think he held on to it probably for a year too long. Yeah. Um, Steve Lansdowne certainly shouldn't have given him a four-year contract when he did, and, and that's one element of why he's not possibly taken another job, because my guess is, I don't know this for a fact, so somebody I'm quite happy to be put straight, my guess is that Steve didn't, pay him off as in years gone by you would pay off the manager's contract you know if you had two years left you get two years money well they don't seem to do that anymore they they go on paying them until such time as they get another job um and he's not going to get half a million quid a year it's Sunderland so no. I, I think that could that could be it. as I say I'm quite happy to be proved wrong somebody say oh no 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 they paid him off and you know they gave him a million quid and, and he's, he's, he's done yeah, because he had he had three years left on his contract. Just a, another quick one: when people look at um, you know wages and and things like that, and clubs and finance, as a guess, you may have read this yourself, but as a guess, what did Bournemouth, Little Bournemouth's um, highest paid director earn last season? Oh, probably ten million quid. Just under two million. Uh, yeah, yeah. Ours is all about four hundred and fifty thousand. Friend of Bournemouth pictured in front of a big Bentley at the weekend. I think I saw a picture of uh, that. Yeah. I mean, Dave, just to finish uh, with with you on the uh, LJ thing. And before I do that, I'll read another comment that I think it's somebody's put on here. Moments of pleasure on uh, OTIP. He said basically, if Lee was a recording artist, the music papers would love him. But the record industry would have long since told him to do one and he'd be playing one of those stages you never see in person or on telly at Glastonbury about 12.30pm in front of 12 people, including his mum and missus, because he dad knew the bloke organising the stage and just shut, just to shut him up. It's not necessarily that he hasn't got a great album in him, it's just that he needs to stop talking about it and get it down on vinyl, if you like. I think that's a great summing up, Dave. Would you, would you He's agree? He's a one-it wonder. <laughs> Um, I, I guess for a, for a bit of balance, he did a decent job here. He progressed us, albeit caveated boy. He spent a lot of money doing it, and he made some money doing it as well. So, yeah. I, you know, let's let's not let's not be unfair here and say he was completely out of his depth and he was rubbish. He, he wasn't. I think he went at the right time in the end. He probably could have gone a bit earlier, but then we get, yeah, we had some good spells in it. But for me. It's chalk and cheese between him and Dean when when they speak. You know, it, yeah. it's it's it, there was a, there was another. There's, in fact, there's two, two two things two things today that or in the last couple of days I've read. One was a LinkedIn profile update that he did, and I don't. Dave, go and have a look at because I know you're on on LinkedIn, and it talks about it's almost like his ethos in terms of you know how he's improved his man management. It talks about you know. It's a bit like going for a job interview, David. You'll know, you know about this much yeah. more than I will as well. In terms of, so Lee, this is going to be a competency-based interview. Please tell me about a time when you gave some really good feedback to one of your team. And it, and it comes out there and he talks about all this bullshit around 
well, you know, you have to work out whether you walk in the change room with your arm around him. You don't want to give him a dressing down. I'm thinking, but that's the complete opposite of what you did with Taylor Moore against Ipswich, you know, a few seasons back. Yeah, so yeah, that, that, yeah. So that's that's kind of one negative thing. that I, I read the thread as well. <laughs> and there was, there was another bit about the best assistant managers are those that have been managers. And that, that comes back to a point I've made often that I think the best thing Lee Johnson could do is to make sure his next job is an assistant manager's job. Yeah, and, you know, no, he can he can do with being an assistant manager. You know, let's throw a name to Pep Guardiola. Wouldn't that be fantastic? Yeah. I don't think yeah. I don't think he'd do that. I think he'd be too arrogant to think that he'd be a number two. But anyway, that uh, I, no, I think that. I think you're right. I think that's a good point because that guy who I flagged up as a potential name who followed Pep around the clubs that he'd been at, who ended up going back to the USA. He okay. was he was yeah. Pep, perpetual assistant. Try yeah. saying that after. And, and then the final, the final <laughs> thing there was an actual assistant. There we go. Now one, one more, final, one more thing, Dave. Dave, sorry, just to just to, to, to finish off today. There was also a um, Luke Steele, the the City goalie who played against Man United in the that's that semi final. There was another video of him with John Parkin and a couple of other guys. I don't particularly like the podcast, but Luke Steele, um, he's quite a a good talk. Good, seems you know a good good honest kind of guy. And in fairness, he said. Lee Johnson was the best he's worked under a dressing the dressing room at you know at, before a game and at half time and things like that. So, you know, we, we always talk about oh he's lost yeah, the dressing room, they, they all see through him. But but you know, people do say good things about him as well. So, you know, we've got our fans view. We think he's a bit David Brent like in ways, but He's no mug either. And look, three it's years ago, he gave us that, that game against uh, Man United, which is in any City fan of 40 years, 50 years plus, it's going to be in your top yeah. five, if not your top three. One thing that bothered me, just sort of finish, I was saying, how are we going to stage any matches at Ashton Gate when they're talking about, well, not talking, it's going to happen. Ashton Gate is going to be a vaccination centre. Now, knowing how long it's going to take to vaccinate all of Bristol going in there, and then maybe around about the third week of March, we're allowed back in grounds and we've got, um, I don't know, Derby County at home. That's not going to work, Ian, is it? Or is it really saying, forget going to Ashton Gate this season? No, I mean, if you look at where they'll set the vaccination centre up, my guess would be porter cabins in the car park. Mm. and some kind of drive-in, drive-through facility, and you don't need all those parking spaces for a couple of thousand people. So no. I can't see Bristol going into Tier 1. That's where the test is, Ian, where you do the testing centre is in that part, the, the kind of back bit in, in the, the car park. I think they're actually doing it in the concourse, I read, somewhere. In well, the you, could, you, could, you could do that as well, Dave, because what all you could do is, if, if you don't have it on a... Um, match day, and you wouldn't. Um, or you You're could, you could pack, pack, there, haven't you? Because I'm no. just thinking the logistics are moving it and whatnot. Well, you you don't know what do you need to vaccinate people. You know, if, a few tables, some social distancing. I mean, my doctor's surgery down here is is quite small, um, and all they do is give people a time of arrival, and mm. um, and 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 then you go in, you socially distance, you go in. It takes about ten seconds to give somebody a jab, if it's anything like the flu jab, and it will be, yeah. and, and then off you go. Yeah. I mean, d- d- We're not going to be allowed to go anyway, are we? So that's the other thing. Too. Well, like, until it's – I mean, I don't see Bristol being a Tier 1 any time before, say, I don't know, what do you write in February? Something like that? February, March. Or March. Yeah. 
do you think do you think so, we'll see a day do you think Dave and Mark do you think we will see any crowd above 15,000 at Ashton Gate before the uh, last game of the season i the last game of the season do you think that's something to look forward to or do you think that's no yeah it's the continuing of 2021 being a season like no other where we're just not allowed to to go in there in the numbers. What do you think? The 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 the, 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 the this lovely word. It's the efficacy of the uh, of the vaccination. That's going to take two to three months before that takes effect. That's going to swallow up the remainder of the football season. So you won't yeah, see. Only- I don't think we'll see a change until 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 August. And I think we'll be the better for it because it means people will be safe. Yeah. I'll, I'll tell you what. The, another good word is efficacy because that's the right word. <laughs> yeah, all right. Yeah, myself. Yeah, well, yeah well, I, 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 I never, I never said I was an expert. Guys, <laughs> no, look, it's efficiency. Yeah. Uh, uh, I think I went there on me on the holidays one. Here's, here's another quick point, and perhaps we could we could. Here's a point for discussion, possibly on the next podcast. Why have Bristol City got such a poor record, and have done for the last few seasons against top ten teams? And your starter for ten. Your, your starter for 10 that I'll give you is that this season we've had the opportunity to win 21 points against sides that are in the top 10 with us and we've mm-hmm. picked up five. Yeah. So well, maybe so that's that's some... Yeah, so Steve's just said that's because they're better than us, Ian. All right, so, so put it another way. After spending 70-odd million quid in signing 50 players, why is that the case? It's well, cut to their efficiency in. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, you, you did early on. You did early on this season. You did this thing called Holden Ball, yeah, yeah. where you make a direct comparison. <laughs> to. And now here we are with like 19 matches now, I think, isn't it, under Dean Holden. Are you going to do that at some point between now and the new year or are you going to leave it because this season we have been – disrupted by injuries and it's unfair to draw a direct comparison. What are you thinking in terms of stats and your analysis of stuff? Not something up your sleeve between now and the new year. Um, yeah, I, I guess I made a post today on the, on the forum and, and said, I think no, a couple of days ago, there was one, a thread wasn't there about, you know, what is our style or whatever it was. And, I, and someone says, oh, we haven't changed since Lee Johnson. And I, and I said, I think we have. I've seen two different types of team this season. I've seen the possession-based one that we saw for the first six or seven games when I think we had Alfie Mawson playing, we had Tyreek Backinson playing, and we had Andreas Weidman playing. And I think that team played decent football, Mm. a decent tempo, and I think it was a very, very different side to what we saw under Lee Johnson. And then we've lost Mawson. We've lost Backinson through migraine and COVID. We've lost yeah. Feynman. We've lost Sessignon from a backup. And yeah. I think, you know, Holden, in fairness, came out after the Huddersfield game and he said, we were a bit embarrassed by Norwich and the way they ripped us apart early on. So we went out purposely to stay in the game as long as we could and try and build some confidence. And ultimately, you know, we, we gave away a crap goal and we ended up winning, winning 2-1. Mm. And I think what we're now seeing is a pragmatic reaction to having a COVID outbreak where, you know, mm. I think it was 10 players, wasn't it? Having yeah, yeah. symptomatically, you know, that's, that can knock the stuffing out of you, whether you're, you're showing too many symptoms or not. 
which meant no training over the international break. We've had injuries to Callas. We've had you know in, injury to Backinson. Yeah. We've now got Patterson who's having yeah, a break. We've, we've, yeah. we've, we've, we've had to rest Wells and Martin probably for two games. And in fairness, we've come back tonight and they've both started and they've both. And the key signing, Williams, has been out all season so far as well. And he also says he has high regard for Walsh. So there's all these factors, isn't it? Yeah, so I I think we're hanging in there at the moment. Yeah, I I think I posted a little message up earlier on when when Ian was going through some of his things. Suddenly, Backinson and Callas back in the squad tonight. Squad doesn't look as weak as what it did Saturday. No, absolutely. And, and, And that's a big difference. Two players makes a huge difference to it. So maybe we'll start to see as Backinson comes back in and Callas come back in, that yeah. we'll start to see a return to a bit better football. But I think we've just been hanging in there. And, and, yeah. and, if you think, and if I think you... other teams are going to, have, going to be doing the same. You know, Norwich drew with, who did they draw with on, on Saturday? Was it uh, Rotherham? Rotherham. Yeah. And, you know, we, we talk about, you know, we don't pick up five points out of 21 against the top, but we haven't dropped too many points against the teams at the bottom. And it doesn't matter who you beat in this season as long as you finish in the top six. Okay, it becomes a bit of a more difficult challenge when you're in the playoffs and you have to play these teams. But goal number one is to try and get into the playoffs, isn't it? Yeah. I've well, I mean, that is Sorry, goal guys. number one, but I don't see how, how you do that unless you pick up points, even if it's only draws against the top team. Because every time one of those beats you, there are three points closer Out to the match uh, tonight in, uh, Samuel. You so it's, it's dizzy by Tommy Rowe because he got us out of a pickle. Everybody agree with that tonight? That was the critical moment, yeah? Yeah, I mean, if you look at it in simplistic terms, I mean, Dean hasn't had a chance to, to have consistent performances because he hasn't had the players available to keep to, to, to stick with a formation yeah. that, looks, that looks good on the pitch. And, but we've been adaptable. And yeah. we have on one in there, and we've actually won four out of the last five games. The performances haven't been good, but we've accumulated 12 out of 15 points yeah, with only one ranked performance. Be happy with that. Got to be happy with that. Yeah, Gary. It's past 11 o'clock. Yeah, it is past 11 o'clock. Can you read us a bedtime story, David? No, I'm going to read you a bedtime story. Is it one stream in Bristol? The creative input that I have. <laughs> what, was all that, what was all that about, uh, Dave? Stanley, someone, someone suggested that he perhaps should do. Uh, children's narration because he's got a lovely voice so he read a bedtime story all oh, right that... who stanley oh right yeah i think yeah. i saw something on there oh yes i did i do read these things right guys i guess we'll be back on uh, saturday unless uh, people have got uh, better things to do than uh, chandra away hopefully we'll be celebrating three points we're certainly celebrating three points uh, today the final score QPR 1, City 2. Guys, have a great evening. I'm going to go off and uh, try and edit this and get it up for uh, people to listen to tomorrow morning. But I think we've had a good session. It's always better than... uh, It's always good when we uh, win. And we've had a good audience tonight as well. So thanks to everybody who's been listening and uh, those people that have made uh, contributions. Thanks. We've tried to read them out a bit more than we have done in the past. So uh, tell your friends, make a contribution, and uh, see you all... uh, next week on Saturday. Stay safe, stay safe everyone. See you all Saturday. Take care. All the best. Cheers. Mark, cheers. Bye. Cheers. Speak Saturday. Ta-da. Okay, bye-bye. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with three for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. 
Beyond the pitch, beyond the results, we're here to connect fans, getting them to embrace the highs and lows of supporting your club. Because we're not just fans, we're a team. With two in three football fans having struggled with their mental health, we understand that life off the pitch can present its own challenges. That's why we're committed to ensuring you have the tools to stay connected with your friends and fellow supporters. Take a moment to connect with your mates. A simple text or an open conversation can make a world of difference. And if they don't respond right away, don't hesitate to follow up. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you still the last nugget snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? Our participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and time supply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.